With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by TrueCar. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with TrueCar, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out TrueCar. True Cash offer not available in all areas. Well, Let the madness begin. The NCAA tournament brackets are out, and we are off and running with a Monday edition of the show that is going to be a heck of a bracket-centric breakdown here. Uh, Not surprisingly, it's number one overall story in the world of sports. I hope you guys had fantastic weekends wherever you may find yourself across the country or indeed around the world. We are here, and we're breaking down the brackets for you. you got a loaded show. Let you know, uh, Todd Furman, uh, who does the show Lock It In with me, is going to be on here with us uh, shortly. And he is going to break down everything about uh, this uh, this entire bracket and give us early odds reads on who's favored among the one seeds, Virginia, North Carolina, Gonzaga, and Duke, all the favored one seeds as we come down the home stretch. The two seeds, Kentucky, Michigan, uh, Michigan State, and Tennessee. Those are your eight top seeds uh, as we come across the, uh, the, the NCAA tournament pool. Now, couple of things I want to tell you in advance. I'm out on the West Coast this week, so we are going to be running around like crazy. I'm doing uh, Lock It In, the television show, Monday and Tuesday out in L.A., and then on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we will be live doing the TV show at the MGM Grand. So if you are going to be in Vegas for the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament and you are listening to me right now, uh, we have I tweeted out a link to allow you to get tickets to come watch uh, us do the live version of the show. And Todd Furman and I will talk, with the, that, uh, talk about that with you here a little bit more shortly. But that is on the horizon. It's really cool. Those of you who've been to Vegas before know how much fun it is to gamble and watch all the games on the opening weekend, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We will be live 
every single day down the stretch there, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. So uh, I hope you guys are going to be able to uh, make it. But as we dive into this bracket and uh, we start to make sense of it, and I know everybody going into work is going to be starting their bracket pools and all those other uh, challenging aspects and fun things about filling in the bracket. When you sit there and think, oh, I'm a genius. There's no way this bracket's not going to be perfect. And it takes till about, what, 2.30 in the afternoon Eastern time and your bracket is already busted. A couple of things that I always think off the jump. One is this. I don't understand how and why this happens every year. They seed teams one to eight, right? One to eight, they give you the seed line. They will seed the teams all the way one to 68. Yet they don't set up the bracket to reflect the one versus eight matchups. In other words, if they did, and I think this is the most fair possible scenario you could do, why seed if the number one overall seed is not going to get to play the number eight overall seed, if two's not going to play seven, if three's not going to play six, and four is not going to play five. We talk about this a lot in the college football universe, right? It's a big deal in theory, whether you're the one, the four, the two, or the three for matchups. And if they ever expand the college football playoff, one will play eight, two will play seven, three will play six, four will play five. Now, I know there are lots of upsets that can happen on the way to the regional final to see who advances to the final four. But y'all, Michigan State got utterly screwed in this bracket seating. They are the number six overall team in college basketball, according to the NCAA selection committee. And they have been sent to go play against Duke, theoretically, in the Elite Eight. And a team that they beat three times, Michigan, gets sent out to get to play against the worst number one seed, Gonzaga. What sense does that make? I don't get it. I understand some of you are out there saying, oh, don't focus on this. Why are you whining about this? Because it matters to me. You play the entire regular season to figure out who the best teams are. The best teams in the regular season should get the best possible matchups once we get into the postseason. So right now, it's simple. Duke should be playing Michigan. Virginia should be playing Kentucky. And if you have to sometimes move the teams around to ensure that, say, Kentucky doesn't get the benefit of playing Virginia in Louisville, Kentucky, it's not that big of a deal, right? You can shift the regions around. You can be flexible. Right now, Virginia is set up to play Tennessee in Louisville, Kentucky. That seems fair, but you wouldn't want Virginia to play against ten, uh, against Kentucky in Louisville, that wouldn't have been fair, right? So you can move them around. North Carolina set up to play Kentucky, and uh, which should happen. North Carolina set up to play against Michigan State, and Gonzaga should be playing Tennessee. We should have one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, and four versus five. I don't know why every year this doesn't happen. You release the numbers 1 to 68, seed it up so that the best teams play the worst teams, and that all that is set up so that Duke would play against Michigan, which is the worst two seed, and that Virginia would play against uh, Kentucky, which is the next worst uh, two seed. This is not rocket science. It's not unbelievably difficult to break this down. I don't know why that happens, okay? That's my first thought, and it seems like this happens every year in the NCAA tournament. Here's my other thing. Remember a couple of years ago when Duke had to go on the road as a two-seed and play against a seven-seed South Carolina team, and they got beat in South Carolina? We got a situation set up like this already. 
and because I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm already pretty much convinced it's going to happen. Tennessee is set up right now, if you look at the bracket, if they beat Colgate, which theoretically they would, if you lose to Colgate, doesn't matter. Tennessee and Cincinnati are going to play in Columbus, Ohio. Why is Cincinnati getting to play what is a default home game as the lower-seeded team in uh, in Ohio? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Also, and Kansas seems like they get protected all the time. I believe in the bracket right now, Kansas is set up, if they are able to advance, Kansas would get to play in, uh, in, a, uh, in a favorable region in their backyard as well. And that doesn't make any sense to me. So as we run through this bracket, sometimes these things jump out at me and I just say, these don't make any sense. Why can we not figure this out? Uh, But those are my thoughts in general as we start to run through the bracket. Now, Duke with Zion. I got to come clean. I didn't think Zion was going to come back, and I certainly didn't think he was going to come back and play as well as he did Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three straight days for Duke. Uh, Zion is, I think right now, the most beloved Duke basketball player of all time. I want everybody out there to think about this with me for a minute. Can you name a Duke basketball player who is more beloved by the nation at large right now than Zion Williamson? I'm not even sure who the second most beloved Duke basketball player is of all time. Usually Duke basketball exists for us to hate them, right? And a lot of times, that's the white guy who plays for Duke. Whether it's Grayson Allen, whether it is uh, back in the day, uh, remember good old Cherokee Parks, remember obviously Christian Leitner, who's probably the most hated player in the history of college basketball. There's a lot of hate, but it also transcends race because you got guys like Shane Battier that I don't think anybody was ever really in love with. Jason Williams, who maybe is one of the most liked Duke basketball players ever. He wasn't beloved. Remember Wojciechowski, who's now the coach of uh, Marquette. Everybody hated Wojo back in the day. Uh, there are J.J. Redick. God forbid how much people hated J.J. Redick. There are a lot of guys over the years at Duke who have been the most hated player in college basketball during their reigns. Can you even think of the second most likable Duke basketball player? Danny G is here with me. Danny G, come in and give me the second most liked Duke basketball player nationwide. People didn't like Trajan Langdon. They didn't like, uh, they didn't, I mean, I, you just run through the list of famous Duke basketball players. I don't know if the number two is. Zion is clearly the most beloved. I was wrong. He came back. He played phenomenally well. Let me tell you this. This guy is going to set an all-time record for whatever shoe deal he gets. That shoe blowing up on him in the Nike shoe is the greatest thing that's ever happened to him because he's probably going to make 50 or $60 million more. Because if Adidas can sign him to a big-time deal, then he gets to go out and say, I didn't want to blow it and go with Nike, right? Like, he can totally attack them. Under Armour, uh, Reebok, whoever else is out there, Puma, Fila, whatever shoe companies are out there competing, by playing with Duke and having his shoe explode... This dude is on a different marketing path than anybody else, and I think he's the most electric and exciting and exhilarating player coming into the NCAA tournament that we've seen in a long time, and we've never seen that guy before at Duke. Can you remember, Can you even think of the second most liked Duke player? I'm going to say Grant Hill. Grant Hill back in the day was pretty well liked. Yeah. That's been like 20-some-odd years, and Duke, to be fair, hadn't really turned into Duke yet when they had Grant Hill, right? Um, and also his hate was diluted because he was on the team with Christian Leitner, right? 
But that's not a bad breakdown to say Grant Hill might be the second most liked Duke player of all time. I, there just aren't very many of them right now, right? I guarantee you there's guys rolling into my Twitter mentions, uh, giving me all sorts of, uh, of, of, of suggestions. But the point is, nobody can come up with a Duke player who's ever been more beloved than Zion. Are you with me? Like, nationwide, he's must-watch television, and also, I feel like just about everybody's rooting for him. Usually, Clay, I think you way overreact to a lot of things, but in this case... I've actually been aboard the Zion train, whereas you thought he wasn't going to play anymore in college. I knew for his teammates, DBAP, he wasn't going to let them down. And as far as his skills on the court, there's nothing you could really point to as a major weakness. I'm talking great defense. Obviously, his offense is amazing. Leadership, hustle, everything you want. Rebounding. This dude is a big-time baller. Hashtag future Laker. Got my fingers crossed. Probably not going to happen. But, I mean, 700,000 more people get to their TVs to watch him in a game that he's going to be in. That tells you everything you need to know right there. What's his weakness? Maybe injuries, right? Because sometimes body is typically now. LeBron can give you evidence that this might not be the case. But sometimes you know how the guys who are the most physical specimen athlete out there end up being sometimes the guys who get hurt the most. Like the guy who has the beer gut and is pitching in baseball, it's like he's never on the DL. The guy who's ripped and like has all these different muscles and all these different finely tuned body parts, he's the guy who it seems like is always tweaking something. The guy who's just kind of an average looking Joe, his body doesn't reject him like that. That's the only thing I can possibly think that could be the kryptonite on Zion's uh, you know, resume is that maybe, possibly, he's just not, like his body is just so rare. Like there's a great story about Zion when they bring him into town them at Duke they say look all of you who are Duke basketball players are physical freaks from a pure athletic perspective you guys are on the top of the the top 0.1 of one percent right in terms of your overall athleticism your height your weight all those things they said you're all freaks Zion is a double freak we've never had anybody who tests like Zion does you know what else about Zion I don't even think he's in that great of shape You know, like, at some point when he gets in the NBA, I think he's still got a decent amount of baby fat on him. Like, if you look at him, he doesn't look like a, you know, a Greek god, right? Like, usually as guys go through their college career, they start to lose a little bit of that baby fat. I mean, he's 19 years old. And you go back and look, let's say, at LeBron, when LeBron was uh, 18 coming into the NBA, LeBron was not, uh, was just kind of skinny, right? And he had a lot of body that he could put muscle on. But Zion eventually is going to look like Carl Malone, right? He's eventually going to grow into that body even more. And so his physical and athletic prowess is going to go to a different level. But what impresses me so much about him right now, honestly, and why I'm so excited to watch him in this NCAA tournament, is because he's got a great comprehension and understanding of the game. Right, He moves the basketball well. He passes. Yes, all the attention can go to the supreme athleticism, but his mental understanding of basketball at 18, 19 years old is way in excess, I think, of where most college basketball players are. And, uh, I mean, I think going to college has been immeasurably beneficial to him. You know, you have a lot of question about whether guys should go straight to the league or not. Uh, DeAndre Ayton plays right now for the Phoenix Suns. Do you know how many people watch DeAndre Ayton night in and night out with the Phoenix Suns? Nowhere near <laughs> as many. And he played, granted, at Arizona last year. But basically, Zion Williamson's entire career at Duke has been an advertisement for the NBA and his, for his future earnings potential. 
I'm not sure that anybody has ever benefited more from one year in college than Zion will purely from a financial perspective. I was being funny with a Zion picture with him wearing a Lakers jersey, and somebody told me, well, how do you know for sure that he's not going to go back to college for another year? I mean, he'd be crazy to do that, right, at the risk of injury? I, I think that uh, he will go pro, and I think if you look at his uh, at his marketability, he is a perfect example of how everything can go right in uh, in the NBA, right? I mean, in college basketball leading into the NBA, I think he's going to be the most watched NBA player since LeBron made his debut coming straight out of high school. I think that's where he ranks right now. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks 
tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestein tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their redestein test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I am Clay Travis. We are live in Los Angeles. Danny G and I in the same studio. It doesn't happen very often. I'm doing Lock It In out here on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, I hung out all day Friday with Rachel Bonetta. Are you jealous? We did a lot of videos. I mean, yeah, I would love to see what she's like in person and hear her dog on you the way she does on FS1 on Lock It In every day. But I'm figuring you guys must have drank a lot because that picture you posted on Twitter, Rachel looks like she's maybe seven, eight drinks in. Her skin is pale. Furman, we, we I posted a photo. We went out to to eat at uh, Mastro's. How do you pronounce that? The steakhouse. Oh, it was great. Good meal. Uh, Furman knocked. I should have brought that up with Furman just in the second ago. Furman knocked over the entire table. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like we sat there. So we we taped um, like, you know, the skits we do for the show. Yeah. We taped all these cool skits and everything else. And then we go out to uh, to dinner, the four of us together. And uh, I get a margarita, and as I'm pouring the last of my margarita in, the top comes off and there's ice everywhere, right? That was a small fail <laughs> because I had to get a new margarita. But then Furman, we need to get another table because we got one of those big seafood towers, yeah. you know, with all the awesome seafood there. So Furman, like, tries to shift over to a new table, and when he does, he knocks over the entire table. I mean, just a huge crash. There's a disaster, like plates breaking, glasses breaking like crazy. And, uh, and here's the crazy thing. He had one drink he hadn't even had that much to drink his picture was just awful but we did do a bunch of uh really cool videos we actually well this is a ridiculous thing to do anyway but we dressed up in mascot costumes and tried to dunk off trampolines <laughs> i'm not sure if workman's comp covers that or not imagine if i tore my acl trying to jump off of a trampoline to dunk uh, i gotta tell you i have so much more respect for those mascots because when you've got that mask on you can't see anything Right, I mean, it's a total mess, and uh, it's hard to see around anywhere. And uh, and so anyway, that was crazy, but uh, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, we had a good time. But so anyway, I'm out here doing the show Monday and Tuesday in L.A., and then we'll be uh, at the MGM Grand on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll also be doing the radio show from Vegas, but the radio show is not public, but the television show will be. So West Coast uh, West Coast living here for uh, for the rest of the week. We did the Friday show with uh, with Jason Martin. So this is a little bit of a uh, lifestyle flip here, but I teased it before. Should we do? Should we do the LA Bron or should we give our picks? I'll get. We'll do our picks. 
Yeah, let's do picks first because you're waking up on this Monday morning wanting to do your first bracket. And I, I know what you want to do here, right? L.A. Braun because you want to make fun of the Lakers. Blocked. How did your Vols do? Uh, they didn't do well. I said they did great on Saturday. I'm uh. pretending Sunday didn't happen. <laughs> uh, I am going to be 40 on April 6th. In my entire life, the University of Tennessee has never won the SEC basketball tournament. Those bastards. There are 40 years now that they could have won in my lifetime and they have not been able to do it. So I just, at this point, don't ever believe it's going to happen. Uh, at, they've lost in the championship game the last two years. They lost in the championship game a few years ago. Just never going to happen. I've just kind of resigned myself to it. So everybody's going to ask us all week long, this is what we do for a living, and we overanalyze every single team and all these different games. What is your first-round upset? Yeah, you know what? I'm really intrigued by this one, um, and uh, and I know it's going to upset LSU people. But I actually, I watched that Uh Yale-Harvard game uh, on, I guess, was that Sunday or Saturday? (laughs) They all run together. Because I was on the elliptical in the hotel gym, (laughs) and so I watched almost the whole thing uh, while I was there. And then I got on the treadmill, and I'm watching it. You don't think this physique happens by accident, right? And I like how crisp they are and the way that they run their offense. I think LSU is uh, is a mess of a team right now. I think this could be a uh, a challenge for LSU. Uh, so I actually like Yale. They're plus eight right now, which isn't even that big of a number when you think about a three versus a fourteen. Now that's a huge upset, right? So my biggest like that's the bragging. I can brag about how much I got this one right. That's my biggest like brag about upset pick if it were to actually happen. I think Yale. Uh, as a 14 seed going up yep. against LSU, I just like the fact that Yale's been a little bit, uh, uh, you know, they're ecstatic to be there. I think LSU is wobbly right now uh, with the Will Wade situation, with the uh, the Smart situation, everything else. I didn't like the way they played in their first round loss to uh, to Florida in the SEC tournament. So uh, I'm going to go with Yale as my super upset. What about you? I'm going to go with St. Mary's over Villanova. St. Mary's, of course, fresh off of that upset victory over Gonzaga in the West. So I just, I have a funny feeling that they're going to get it done over Villanova. I like Jay Wright, but St. Mary's for the upset in the first round. Yeah, Nova's interesting because prior to what, like two, three years ago, Jay Wright was the coach that everybody wanted to pick on. And then his team just got white hot from outside. They shoot a lot of threes, high risk, high reward style games. And they've won, what, two championships in the last three years. They're a six seed, but they've been very kind of suspect down the stretch. That wouldn't necessarily be a massive, uh, massive upset to me. Uh, but uh, but yeah, St. Mary's as the 11 over the uh, the six seed Villanova. Um all right, the other there's another couple of uh, of games here that I think are intriguing uh, that, that really kind of jump out at me, and we talked about this a little bit. Michigan, Michigan is getting there is a ton of money rolling in on Montana early. Michigan opened twenty two minus twenty two, and the most recent number I saw in this game is fifteen. So you want to talk about how big of a move some of the uh, you heard Todd Furman talking about how the odds makers are scrambling too because they're not really great at knowing exactly how these matchups are going to be and if you want to pounce sometimes early you can get a number you've got a seven point middle now if you saw the open of that game and you took Montana plus twenty two it's all the way down to Michigan minus fifteen now so that's a seven point move pretty wild be sure to catch live editions of outkick the coverage with clay travis weekdays at 6 a.m eastern 3 a.m pacific we are joined now by todd Furman. he's on lock it in every day with me and yesterday 
they actually ran an ad for our show during the NASCAR race. We're getting to be big time, Clay. They're pumping us up to NASCAR. Before we know it, we'll be prominently displayed during commercial breaks with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on the NFL Game of the Week. So we're moving up in the Fox family. It's only a good thing. Uh, there's no doubt at all about that. And part of our fun week, I know it's Monday and I'll be out in L.A. I'm out in L.A. now. Uh, but we're meeting up back in your town of Vegas to do the show live on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at the MGM Grand, which I'm pretty excited about. Oh, it'll definitely be a tremendous atmosphere. And for any folks that'll be out here for the NCAA tournament, if it, as if it wasn't exciting enough to begin with, now you'll have live days of Lock It In. As you said, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Come check out the show. It's the perfect time to heckle Clay. You can heckle me. You can offer to buy Rachel Bonetta drinks like Danny G. I mean, it's the best <laughs> of all things going in the right direction. Can you believe that I'm going to be the king out in Vegas? How much does this hurt you? I mean, it does hurt me a decent amount, but eventually when you throw enough stuff at the wall as far as money line parlays are concerned, you're bound to hit one. But what hurts me even more is having to watch that Denver Nuggets and Dallas Mavericks game unfold with Nikola Jokic hitting a runner in the lane that he threw up there. Otherwise, the crowd would be right back on my head where it should belong. But, hey, Clay, you're proving to everybody out there that even a blind squirrel can find a nut, so I have to give you a little bit of golf clap. You've suffered long enough. All right, let's look at the bracket. Uh, The bracket is out all over the country Monday morning everybody going into work this morning listening to us they want to talk with their friends families co-worker get everybody ready got the brackets out uh, looking at them let's talk about the number one seeds and this is to me probably the most egregious and un, uh, unfathomable error that happens very frequently Duke is right now I think with Zion you would probably agree the best team in the NCAA tournament right like they are uh, they are playing at a different caliber different level Michigan State, clearly the best team in the Big Ten this year, yet Michigan State is sent to play against Duke in the East region. Does this make any sense to you? Absolutely none, and I was blown away because they asked that very question yesterday on the telecast of one of the members of the committee. How is Michigan? Well, Michigan State moved past Michigan by virtue of the winning the conference championship, yet they're not using the S-curve, and we're just going to haphazardly throw the ones in one spot, the two somewhere, and use the justification because they can play 150 miles closer to home. I have no idea. I mean, don't get me wrong. The NCAA committee doesn't do a lot of things the right way. This is one of the more dumbfounding decisions I've seen. They should have clearly been the top number two seed as champion of the what the committee told us was the best conference in the country as the Big Ten got eight teams. You beat Michigan not once, not twice, but three times. They should have been in the same bracket as Gonzaga. And even if it meant going out west, they should have an easier road than needing to face Duke in a potential Elite Eight showdown between Coach K and Tom Izzo. Yeah, and that's what really kind of gets on me is if you look at the overall breakdown, right? If you're going to seed one to eight, which they do, then it's really not that complicated to have one play eight, two play set it up that way, right? To set it up so that one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, and four plays five. If you did that, then you would have had a matchup in the uh, regional finals projected. Now, a lot of these teams may well lose before they get there, but you would have Duke, Michigan. You'd have Virginia, Kentucky, you'd have UNC, Michigan State, and you'd have Gonzaga playing against Tennessee. I don't know why the committee gives us the top teams and then doesn't follow their own S-curve to put the top teams playing against the top teams, right? Like, why would if you're Duke, wouldn't you rather play Michigan than you would play against uh, Michigan State? 
Well, the only thing working in Duke's favor here is I don't believe Coach Izzo has ever beaten Coach Kane. Yeah, His record against him is yeah. pretty terrible. So from that standpoint, I'm sure Duke's going, we're going to have to beat all the good teams. But if you're Michigan State, you clearly would have rather had a different road. But in and of itself, that's one egregious mistake. Can you explain to me, Clay, how Kansas, a four-seed from the Big 12, who couldn't win a game on the road pretty much the entire last month of the season, gets a de facto home game in Kansas City if North Carolina were to meet up against Kansas in the Sweet 16. It's a home game for Kansas, and they're the four seed in the region. I'll never understand how any of this stuff potentially works and how it fits together, favoring lower seeds for inexplicable reasons. Yeah, look, and that would be, it's the same thing that I've been kind of griping about and some people getting on me on Twitter, but Tennessee is set up right now if the bracket falls to play against Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio. I don't understand why the committee couldn't just look at the bracket and say, okay, we don't need to be projecting Kansas to be playing in Kansas City, right, against a higher-seeded team. And similarly, we don't need to be putting Cincinnati in their home state and basically the backyard there in Columbus, Ohio, getting to play against Tennessee. It just doesn't make any sense. You could easily have moved Cincinnati. You could easily have moved Kansas, and this wouldn't be an issue. Well, I think a lot of it has come in when the NCAA said that they were worried about attendance at some of these venues and they wanted to put teams with a regional flavor. This has kind of been the end result. So we saw it a couple of years ago with Duke going down to South Carolina in what was in essentially a South Carolina home Nonsensical. game. Nonsensical. Duke got screwed there. And they were an eight seed. I just, I'm right there with you. I don't understand why we can't go back to the old days. If you're in the Midwest region, you play all your games in the Midwest. If you're in the West, hey, you know what, Michigan State, too bad. You got to go out West and you have to play in Salt Lake City or whatever it may be. Sometimes you try and get too cute, and these become the unintended consequences of trying to create a fair and equitable playing field. Of course, unless Kansas and their boosters paid their way into the field and they were able to get a Kansas home game, like we've seen with a lot of academic admissions. Hey, let's be honest. It's not like they would go to USC um so uh <laughs> as uh, as you look at this bracket I mean obviously the top te- seeds and the top teams are going to get a lot of attention but what to you jumps out overall from a gambling perspective about some of these early matchups I saw there's been a rush of money that has come rolling in on Montana since this game opened I know that a lot of money has come in on Colgate against Tennessee what else are you seeing out there in terms of early lines that are making you kind of interesting as we roll into the start of the week well, what's always fascinating, and as we talk here early Monday morning, I mean, the numbers that came out Sunday night are a little bit, uh, I guess, very immature. And so what I mean by that is there's going to be a lot of volatility. Odds makers are scrambling just like professional bettors to figure out how teams that have no track record come from very different leagues and trying to assess the overall power profile are going to match up against one another. So you mentioned that Colgate-Tennessee game. I mean, you saw that number open upwards of six points higher in some locations, and this thing has kind of gone all over the place. But when I look at on-court matchup, I think for me, one of the more fascinating matchups that we're going to see isn't Montana against Michigan. The point spread will add a little bit of drama, but I watched those two teams a couple years ago, and Montana couldn't throw it in the ocean. It's a game like Yale and LSU, an LSU team that's in a bit of disarray with a head coach that won't be with the team. Yale from the Ivy League that maybe has a little bit more of an NBA flavor than they've had in the past and some athletes that can go up and down the court. I was stunned to see books out here in the desert open that game at 
10, knowing that number wasn't going to stick. So for me, that's an extremely intriguing matchup. And then when you see some of the other teams, I'm glad Belmont had a chance to get into the field for a play-in scenario against Temple. Uh, I go down the board and I look at a team like Liberty against Mississippi State. Those are the games that make the tournament great early on, and I think it's fascinating to see some of those intersectional showdowns between teams that won't play one another typically during the course of the regular season. All right, as you break this down on a larger scale, uh, last year we always hear a lot about five versus 12 upsets, maybe to such an extent that it has turned into such a trend that a lot of teams are avoiding them. You mentioned the Mississippi State-Liberty game. That's a 5-12. Wisconsin-Oregon, uh, certainly when you uh, when you look at Auburn-New Mexico State. Let's pause there for a sec on the Auburn-New Mexico State. You, uh, we, we, we did the show uh, over the weekend. We hung out, and you uh, you projected on Lock It In that you liked Auburn potentially at 5-1 to one to win the SEC. They did it. Uh, and now you said Auburn may enter into the tournament being one of the most overrated teams because of the hot streak they're on. I think they've won eight games in a row. How do you value hotness, right? I mean, it's a question in all of life, but certainly as you start the NCAA tournament runs. Well, I think it's always a great question, and you try and figure out which teams are playing the best basketball when they need to. And you mentioned Auburn's eight-game winning streak, uh, the last loss coming in early or late February, excuse me, at Kentucky by 27 points. But this is the kind of team in Auburn with the right draw that can beat anybody uh, on a given night because of how well they shoot the ball from the outside, but at the same time can lose to anybody when those shots aren't falling. I mean, this is one of the most efficient teams in the SEC from beyond the arc. They were nearly a 40% three-point shooting team and you saw Bryce Brown get hot you saw them do it without Justin Harper really contributing in the championship game Uh, but for me I'm extremely scared to lay points with Auburn for just that reason because if you can't get easy baskets on the inside and New Mexico State's a team that does have a little bit of tournament experience they've been here done that they blew out Grand Canyon en route to getting here that you have to worry if shots aren't falling where does Auburn go to try and find their offense now the one thing they have working for them is they have some upperclassmen you have Brown's a senior, Harper's a junior, so maybe these guys are able to take the ball to the rim. But I'd want no part of Auburn laying points that I know the number's about one and a half to two points inflated at minimum, coming off of a miraculous 72-hour stretch. If anything, they could come into this game lethargic, uh, and maybe New Mexico State puts a bit of a scare into them, at least for the first 20 minutes. How much do you value conference in these matchups, or do you completely toss it out? Big Ten gets eight, SEC, ACC gets seven, Pac-12 manages to squeak in with three. Do you factor in the conference at all in terms of the challenges that some of the big conference teams have had versus some of the smaller schools, or do you just toss it all out the window once the brackets come out? No, I think it plays a big role. If you're battle-tested and you're facing the rigors game in, game out, you're going to be much more inclined to handle yourself in a tight ball game late. That's always one of the big concerns for Gonzaga. They check every box. They look great getting off the bus, but they don't find themselves in grinders. When they come out of the under-four-minute media timeout, they're not doing that every single night they go out on the floor like teams in the SEC or the Big Ten or even the Ivy League that had more close games and more games go to overtime than almost any league in the country. So when you're blowing every Everybody out as an elite team, you just don't know what it's like to taste your own blood in a game that means the most. So for me, when I look at the Big Ten, top to bottom, it was the best league at the end of the season. The Rutgers and Penn States of the world were playing great basketball. So I feel like in Ohio State, who's catching you know a handful of points against Iowa State, they may be an 
intriguing underdog there because they've played against some of the good teams. They know what it takes to win these tight games late, uh, and I think it goes a long, long way in trying to find a Cinderella coming from a power conference, maybe more so than the Belmonts of the world. UVA last year loses to a 16 seed. Psychologically, early round tournament games, do you think they're tight or do you think they've been waiting for this moment for a year? I think they've been waiting for this moment for an entire year, and they'll draw Gardner-Webb right out of the gate. You look at this Virginia team, and they're not like the Virginia team we saw last year. They're number two in the entire country in adjusted offensive efficiency, scoring 123 points per 100 possessions. Defensively, they haven't missed a beat on the other side. And a loss to Florida State, not overly alarming. Florida State boasts a ton of athletes and could create problems for a number of teams uh, in the tournament as well. So for me, I think it's important, though, that Virginia gets out to a quick start. They banish the notion of a potential upset again at the hands of Gardner-Webb. look at their potential matchup in the round of 32, taking on the winner of Ole Miss, Oklahoma. I think that's very favorable. And once they get those two games in the bank, this is a team that is extremely dangerous. They can create their own shot. And while it's not quite an apples-to-apples comparison, it reminds me of what Villanova had to go through before they could finally break through and win the national championship. They were at an early exit against NC State. They brought back a lot of the core and key contributors, and they took an us-against-the-world mentality. Uh, I think Virginia's got an excellent chance to cut down the Nets in Minneapolis. Last question for you, Houston and LSU. Houston, a little bit under the radar. They're playing Georgia State. LSU, obviously, a lot of uh, of mess surrounding their program right now. How do you break down teams like these? LSU against Yale and Houston against Georgia State. Uh, LSU is a team that I'd be selling right now. I just don't like where this team is at, and you have to wonder when they let a late lead slip away against Florida if that could have some residual carryover effect. The nice thing that the Tigers have going for them, though, is they have a number of players more than capable uh, of taking over a game. And you mentioned Houston. Uh, Again, they came up on the short end of the stick in the rubber match against Cincinnati, a team they'd beaten twice during the regular season. Uh, But this is a Cougars team that's a little bit undersized. They're extremely gritty. And another side in my opinion, that got a bit of a raw deal. I mean, we quickly forget that they had Michigan beat dead to right with a chance to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, I think you look at their experience level that they bring back and a number of guys that are capable of taking over games, like a Corey Davis. Uh, this is a Houston team that I think a lot of people overlook, and I see them not only getting to the Sweet 16, but maybe even being a sleeper to get to the Elite Eight or deeper. Outstanding stuff as always, Todd Furman. Come hang with us in Las Vegas, MGM Grand Sportsbook. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 